I'm Brian Scordato, and this is the Idea to Start a Podcast brought to you by Tacklebox. We accelerate ideas into real companies through the Tacklebox membership, and we think through startup strategy every Wednesday on the Idea to Start Up Podcast. You're here because you're thinking about an idea, or you're ready to launch something, or you already launched something and you're running full steam ahead. We're here to help with the counterintuitive stuff. On to it. Today, I want to talk about why so many entrepreneurs are overwhelmed. And maybe I've got kid gloves on with the word choice in the first sentence because I don't want to start this pod too negatively, but the word I really want to use is unhappy. Why are so many people starting and running businesses unhappy? There are probably a whole bunch of reasons, but I think that one mistake is responsible for a disproportionate number of unhappy founders. These founders don't organize their businesses around the right fundamental question, or more likely, they don't even know the question exists and they should be asking it, which is what today's pod is about. At the end, you'll understand the clear choice, the fork in the road created by the question early stage founders need to answer. Do you want to be a freelancer or an entrepreneur? Every decision and metric you track and second of time you spend working on your business needs to be nestled underneath the answer to that question. If deciding between freelancer and entrepreneur sounds easy, it isn't. It's counterintuitive and counterinstinctual. And if you're unhappy working on your business, the question is probably worth another look. I get intro to frustrated people running small businesses all the time who are tearing their hair out by the fistful because they're treating their freelancing business like a startup or their startup like a freelancing business. And that's about as successful as trying to keep Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift out of the news. And for the record, I know that joke probably has a shelf life about as long as store-bought hummus, but maybe it doesn't. Maybe this time it's for real. Maybe it's time for us all to believe in love. Anyway, first, I want to address the unhappy entrepreneur thing because it upsets me. Probably 75% of people running businesses I speak with seem like they're having a terrible time. And I know startups are hard and overwhelming and require sacrifice and probably won't work. But you knew all those things going in. And the reason you chose to move ahead anyway was because starting a business was, theoretically, going to make you happier than anything else you could do would. For whatever reason. Maybe you got to work on something you were passionate about or be your own boss or get the most out of your skill set, or maybe you just thought it was the best way to make a pile of money and that is what you're after. If you aren't happy, there's likely a systemic reason for it and it's worth investigating. You're doing something wrong or you misread what you want. There's a really good chance it's the entrepreneur versus freelancer thing we're going to talk about today. It could also be that the problem you chose doesn't matter and you're spending your days desperately trying to convince someone to care about something they don't care about. That is no fun. Or it could be that you haven't been ambitious enough. Counterintuitively, ambitious startups are easier than unambitious ones. Humans leap out of bed for hard things they aren't sure they'll be able to do, not for easy things they know for sure they can. The happiness of excellence, the name for the type of happiness you get from trying to do really hard things that matter, is the highest on Maslow's hierarchy. The broader point is, if you're unhappy, something's probably off because chasing down something that matters, even if it's hard, should be rewarding. Take stock of where you are and what you've learned and move towards the consequential problems with huge impact for customers that are aware of them and already trying to solve them. 
Move towards the Delta four stuff. Don't build something if the current process is a seven out of 10 and don't build something that'll only be a nice to have. And most importantly, make sure you know what you actually want out of life and align your business accordingly. Unhappy founders aren't founders for long and we need you in the game. A great place to start is with the question from today. Are you an entrepreneur or a freelancer? This framing first popped into my head back in January when Seth Godin was on the pod and mentioned it. I'll link to our convo in the show notes, but as he said it in real time, the lights turned on. I'd been searching for this type of distinction since 2015 and hadn't been able to put my finger on it, but here it was. I've been thinking about it since. So today, we'll start with a high-level description of freelancers and entrepreneurs as I see them. Then we'll dive into why choosing one or the other is hard and messy through an example of a restaurant startup. Finally, we'll help you get to the bottom of the real reason most people screw up the freelancers and entrepreneurs problem. They don't know what they want. We'll help you figure it out. We'll start with freelancers. If you're a freelancer, you're hiring yourself for a job. What you create is the output of the business. If you're a coach, your one-on-one experience with clients is the business. If you're launching a design agency, the designs you create for clients is the business. When you eventually hire a bunch of designers to work underneath you, even if there are hundreds of them and they share templates and create some sort of economies of scale, you're still a freelancer and your business is the output you create for clients. You trade some number of finite hours for some amount of money from clients. Then you do it again. Freelancing businesses don't actually ever get sold. Someone might buy your freelancing business, but that's just semantics. You'll just start doing the same job you did before, but with a different name on the paycheck. Because if you're a freelancer, you are the business. If someone buys the business, they're buying you. They'll require it. That's great if you like doing what you're doing, but it isn't an exit strategy if you want to move on to do something else. Freelancing businesses don't raise venture capital at least not from any VC that, as my dad says, knows their ass from a hole in the ground, because freelancing businesses don't scale. There is a 0% chance they'll ever return the fund. But freelancing businesses do afford the founder the chance to work with lots of interesting clients, solving lots of diverse problems, to create relationships, to get their hands dirty, to, very often, do what they love. Freelancers can also make a ton of money based on how differentiated their offering is and how they're positioned and freelancing businesses are usually profitable from day one. You aren't able to raise venture capital, as I said, but that's just another way of saying you don't have to deal with investors. The job of a freelancer is to get great clients. That is why you exist, to find the people who you can make the largest impact for, the people you can help be wildly successful, and to charge them a premium for it. A good freelancer needs to drop bad clients quickly and always be working on finding better ones. Better, though, is defined by you, which is a huge perk. Better can be clients that maximize environmental impact or clients that are influential and help you get other clients or simply clients that'll pay you the highest number of dollars per hour. Freelancers get to choose, and to be effective, they have to. Lots and lots of people who think they're entrepreneurs are actually starting freelancing businesses in disguise. Entrepreneurs, on the other hand, are not hiring themselves for a job. They are aggressively removing themselves from every practical function of the business as fast as possible. Every second an entrepreneur spends doing something that someone else can do even 80% as well as them is a second wasted. 
Entrepreneurs can't work with lots of different types of customers. They have to work with one very specific type of customer, and choosing that customer is tedious and ridiculously important. Entrepreneurs solve a high-value problem in a way that can scale. They build one solution and find all the customers who will get enormous value from it. Really, they find the customers that get value first, then build the thing. Once that works, they build the system to drop their product into an adjacent customer segment with as few tweaks as possible. The goal is to build a playbook for horizontal expansion to continually reduce marginal cost. But for a long time, the job is to solve one specific problem for one specific customer really, really well. Straying from that equation is a disaster. Entrepreneurs can, if necessary, raise money from VCs and they can absolutely sell their business. Selling doesn't have to be the goal, but the ability to sell should be. Meaning the founders should be constantly trying to separate themselves from the systems that drive the business to the point that it feels like a thing they can hold in their hands and say, here, you buy this and you get all of it and we'll go our separate ways. An entrepreneur builds a collection of systems that don't rely on any one person for differentiated output. The best way to think about entrepreneurs is to think of one specific exchange from Mark Cuban on Shark Tank. And I know that's a ridiculously silly thing to say. But one night I was watching Shark Tank with my in-laws. Side note, everyone just assumes that I love Shark Tank and they always look at me for some insight or something during the show. But I'm just as surprised as everyone else when someone making sun-shaped sponges gets 300 grand from Robert. Anyway, we're watching after dinner, and a tan and fit father and son combo with matching shoulder-length blonde hair had made a skateboard that was the size of a surfboard. They were explaining how the board worked in a bunch of California surfer terms I couldn't even dream of remembering in what was basically a California parody SNL skit, when, to the shark's clear surprise, they mentioned their sales numbers, which were great. They'd sold a bunch of surfboard skateboard things. And, the father proudly said, Every board was handmade in Huntington Beach, California. When it was Cuban's turn to talk, he said something like, all right, what's the plan to move production out of one of the most expensive real estate markets on earth? When do we start making these boards in Ohio? The father reacted to this like he'd just been told that California didn't have six syllables. Oh, no, he said, flustered. Every board will always be finished by me. That's the only way the action will be right. No one else can do it. Cuban was immediately out, saying that he'd never met a billionaire who was a perfectionist. An entrepreneur needs to know that they don't matter for the product. They can't. That's the only way it'll scale. If you matter, you're a freelancer. Most of the people I speak with instinctively lean towards entrepreneur over freelancer. It seems like that's what ambitious people should do, right? And if you're listening to this, you're an ambitious person. Freelancing is putting a ceiling on your upside kneecapping your impact. Right? Right? We'll see. Keep your mind open for the rest of the episode, even if being a freelancer made you recoil or an entrepreneur did the same. At this point, I'm pretty sure our first instincts aren't always right on this one. And we'll get to the rest of it after a little... Nope, no jazz today. Instead, a message from our friends at Build. See you in a second. This episode of Idea to Start a Podcast is brought to you by our good friends at Build. That's B-Y-L-D-D dot com. They're a development agency that helps early stage startups build and launch scalable, revenue generating software businesses. 
Development from non-technical founders and teams without a tech person on them is the massive elephant in the room that just sits there judging you while you run all of your customer work and intent tests. And once you've validated your idea and you know that customers want what you've decided to build, you've got to figure out how to build it. That's where things get sticky. You probably don't have 100K to throw at a huge creative agency, and even if you did, for your first product, you probably shouldn't. You might roll the dice on Upwork, and it might work, but you'll need to project manage the whole thing. The cost will be a black box, and I cannot stress enough the might in that first sentence. For 10K and roughly a month of work, Build will get your validated product up and out. Head to build.com to talk to Ayush. That's B-Y-L-D-D.com and tell him you heard about it through Idea to Startup. Back to it. Rivers and dams. Maybe a year before COVID, a company came through Tacklebox that wanted to help restaurants make money. There's an old saying, if you want to make a small fortune, take a big fortune and open a restaurant. And according to this founder, it was true. He'd had experience. He'd started a number of restaurant concepts and grown them to three, five, seven locations and then sold them. In an industry full of people losing money, he was making it. He said there were two problems with most people starting restaurants. First, the restaurant owner thought the business was about them, about the chef they brought in or the wine list or the name or the decor. In reality, our founder said, the restaurant is about the customer, which is seemingly obvious but apparently ignored. It's about the job customers would hire the restaurant to do, he said, and then the restaurant needed to reactively piece together a chef and decor in a location that did that job well and profitably. Our founder used to spend two to three months interviewing customers at local restaurants before even considering a concept nearby, understanding how many nights a week they ate out, what their food budget was, how they thought about diet, and on and on. He made sure his concept would be hired for a job that would get repeat business, word of mouth, and push high profit staples. The second thing restaurant owners screwed up, he said, were the finances themselves. Very few restaurateurs, especially first timers, have any clue how a restaurant makes money, he said. He went on. Or, more accurately, where they lose it. If you think buying a home has hidden costs, holy cow, open a restaurant. The maintenance on the equipment, the food waste, the fines and violations, the waiter turnover, the food price variability, there are only variables. And with such thin margins, those variables sink you. This can be reduced if you're thoughtful from day one, but new owners aren't. They just want to open up an oyster joint and assume because their friends say they love oysters, it'll work. So our founder started consulting, helping people launch new restaurant concepts profitably. Each gig got him clear on an ethos, a playbook, and he came to us at Tacklebox to make that a scalable product. I don't want to be a consultant anymore, he said. I want a business that runs while I sit on the beach. Great. No more freelancing. So we went for it. And now is a nice little natural break in the story for a quick Google to make sure Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift haven't broken up in the past 90 minutes since I wrote that first joke. And they haven't. We are good. Love is alive and well, and so is this story, which needs another sidebar. And that sidebar is about rivers and dams. There are two types of problems that deserve solutions. The first I call man in a hole, though, in the words of Kurt Vonnegut in his amazing speech on the shape of stories, which I'll pop in the show notes, the problem needn't be about a man and it needn't be about a hole. Basically, someone is in a lot of trouble and our business helps them get out of it. 
My old boss used to say over and over that people always pay to get themselves out of trouble and never pay to avoid that trouble in the first place. Humans need to touch the hot stove before we stay away from it. In the case of the man in a hole problem, your solution is a rope. The second problem is what I call the painful step. We find a process that is integral to someone's business or life, something they do every day, something that helps them move towards their ideal version of themselves, and we find the most painful step, and then we remove it for them. In the painful step case, your solution is a shortcut. Where rivers and dams come in here is with the customer. You've got to picture your customer cruising down a river to some destination they really want to get to. There are dams in the river, and those dams are keeping them from this eventual goal. They're problems they encounter along the way. Your job as a founder is to pick. To pick a customer on a specific river and to pick a dam for that customer and to focus on it. To help your customer navigate the dam and move further down the river towards their goal. Now, back to our savvy restaurant friend. While doing all of his consulting, he realized there were a few 80-20 type of improvements for restaurants, things they all really seemed to need, two especially leapt out. First, he said they needed a menu audit. The goal is to have as little equipment as possible in your kitchen and to have the menu work progressively with that equipment. So, for example, if you have a pizza oven, you can slow cook meat in it while it heats up and cook bread in it overnight as it cools down or something like that. Restaurants, he said, were never thinking about their space and the equipment they need holistically, complete with their menu. Second, he said, they needed a financial system. Not just software because they had that, but a way to make sense of what the software told them and the ability to make decisions on it, and a way to share that with the rest of the staff so that they knew that not storing something properly tied directly to an X percent drop in profit. There were also a bunch of other side problems that popped up in some restaurants that he really wanted to solve for. Every restaurant, he said, had three to five things he could do that would dramatically improve their business. As you start to internalize the rivers and dams and freelancer versus entrepreneur thing, I'm sure you're getting some prickly spidey scents on the back of your neck telling you that this is not an entrepreneur. This is a freelancer. But we spoke with customers about to open a restaurant anyway. The hope would be that they realized they needed a menu audit or understood the connection between kitchen and menu and flow, or that they knew they needed a way to translate financials into learnings for their staff. Not surprisingly, no one did. They hadn't fallen in a hole yet. What did they need a rope for? So our founder tried a different customer, restaurants that were struggling. And they were excited, but not in a product. They wanted our founder to come in and watch the restaurant operate for a month to tell them what to do. This got him excited. Maybe, he said, I can do the audit, then convince them to use the product after, a little combo entrepreneur and freelancer, and I can learn how to scale the audit so someday it doesn't need to be me. Nope, I told him, doesn't work like that. He looked at me with the face I've seen so often. The one where the entrepreneur realizes that what they want has nothing to do with what the customer wants. But, he said, what if I just do this for a while? And here is why entrepreneur versus freelancer is so hard. Because it's always tempting to lunge. There's a blog by Seth Godin, and I didn't mean to bring him up twice, but I guess that's just how it goes, where he talks about juggling. When you learn to juggle, he says, it's tempting to lunge after every bad throw to try and make it work. But juggling is about throwing, not lunging. 
If you really want to juggle, you need to let every ball you would have needed to lunge for drop. You need to get good at throwing, because that's what juggling is. Throwing. Freelancers can lunge. You can go after customers on different rivers with different dams. You can spend time with them to try and figure out what they need and then give it to them. Their service is service, and it can take a bunch of different forms, and your job becomes picking which customers are worth lunging for. If you've got four different customers on four different rivers with four different dams, you can still make it work. Entrepreneurs, on the other hand, can never lunge. Entrepreneurs need to go after one type of customer on one river with one specific dam. They need to build one product that is flat across all of their customers and creates a ton of value for each. Otherwise, the business won't work. You'll spread yourself too thin. Freelancing is often easier than entrepreneurship. It certainly lets us close feedback loops faster and feel better about ourselves. Someone wants us. Someone is going to pay for us. That must mean we're on the right track, right? Only if you're on the freelancer track. And there is no blending the two, despite countless founders trying. As soon as you have any freelancer in your product, you're not an entrepreneur because you aren't removing the person part of this service, the dollar per hour bit. It's much better to just take your lumps as an entrepreneur if you want to be one, to navigate your way to the right customer on the right river with the right dam, the one who will pay you for something that has nothing to do with you. That search should be fun. It's an investigation and it's moving you towards the type of business you want, but it can be stressful and it's easy to settle. Don't. The one caveat is that freelancing or consulting for customers is a wonderful way to flesh out how they solve a specific problem. It'll help you understand what they prioritize and get promoted for and the type of company they'd like to see themselves as. If you're consulting though, time box it. Try to sell products during and after. Never forget that this is for learning purposes. Don't slip into freelancer mode. And on the freelancer side, just because you are part of your product doesn't mean you shouldn't build systems to amplify yourself. For example, communication is the thing that gets dropped as freelancers grow, which is awful because the customer hired you because they thought you could help them. That is a vulnerable place. Bad communication shows you don't care, so build systems for it. Make sure you over-communicate what you're doing and why, how long it'll take, what you need from the client. Build durable assets that you can plug in to support your freelancing, content to reference, templates. Build systems for the uncomfortable stuff. Great freelancers drop clients constantly. You have to. The business is your client roster, so build systems for that. Offboarding is emotionally taxing and tricky. Don't leave it to chance or force it to require willpower. On the other hand, just because entrepreneurs are building something scalable doesn't mean they never talk to customers. They do constantly, but they do it through the lens of building something and learning process, not charging for their time. Don't pretend. This is all fairly straightforward. You definitely understand what a freelancer is versus an entrepreneur. One hard part is executing it, staying disciplined. The harder part is figuring out what you actually want in the first place. For this, I have one question. How do you want to spend your days? And really, think about the question. It's how do you want to spend your days, separate from what you think other people might want from you or what you think might help you reach a certain status or what you think you should want. There's a quote from Kurt Vonnegut that I love, his second mention of the day too, I guess, that goes, quote, we are what we pretend to be, so we must be careful what we pretend to be. Don't pretend to want something because you think you're supposed to. 
Think about how you want to spend the few precious days of your life and back into the business that fits that. If you want to coach entrepreneurs and apply frameworks to help them tackle unique high-stakes scenarios, be an unapologetic freelancer. Help your first customers be wildly successful and build systems to make sure your time is spent almost solely with clients. You don't need a scalable text messaging service that some people kind of get some value from for maybe a week or two until they cancel because all they really wanted was you. You also don't need to tell people you're trying to figure out how to build a bigger business or get acquired or scale or raise money or whatever else. Be a freelancer and be proud of it. And if you want to build something that grows fast to raise money for it, to manage and hire, be an entrepreneur, but don't lunge. Don't compromise. Don't build for multiple customers on multiple rivers. Don't get excited when someone wants value from you just because you can't help them. Focus on one river and one dam and realize that you don't matter nearly as much as you think you do. Your job is to create the conditions for your customers and employees to be successful. Focus on that. Whichever you choose, entrepreneur or freelancer, do that one. And know how hard it was for me to not end with a Taylor Swift joke. I had one written, but I deleted it. Now, it's just a blank space. Sorry. This was the Idea to Startup Podcast brought to you by Tacklebox. If you have a startup idea and a full-time job, head to gettacklebox.com and apply. We'll get back to you in 72 hours, and we could be working together on your startup by the weekend. Have a great week.